Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we educate and inspire people to live fuller lives through mindful practices. Let's get started with your host, New York Times contributor, leadership advisor, sought-after keynote speaker, the author of the Amazon hot new release, Everyday Mindfulness from Chaos to Calm in a Crazy World. She's smart, strong, sassy, and a trendsetter in the field of mindful leadership. Your host, Holly Duckworth. Hello, and welcome to another fun and fascinating episode of the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This is the show where we get to talk to real people living mindfulness and exploring these concepts and what does it look like, what does it feel like, and what does it sound like. And today I am so excited to bring to you uh, a new guest on the show, Jennifer Noel Taylor, who is the author of a book that is coming out today. We're recording the show on the book launch of her new book, um, Spiritual and Broke, How to Stop Struggling with Money and Find Your Life Purpose. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Great. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here, especially on the book launch day. Well, what a gift to give us this time on this, this special, special day. Anyone who embarks upon a book has, has a why, a passion. I mean, you birth in a book is no small feat. Just tell me a little bit about what got you excited about this topic. You know, what got me really excited is in my field of energy medicine, I run into a lot of people who are living their purpose and yet they're broke. And, uh, you know, they have no money and they're living out of their car or, or whatever. And, um, and my, myself, when I embarked on my life purpose, I also went broke. Um, and broke meaning I had what you would consider negative net worth. And so I wrote my book to, first of all, because I managed to dig myself out of debt and save money. And I wrote it to help other people who are in the same situation and need help living their purpose and, and getting their finances together. Well, as you know, we booked this, you know, several weeks ago and our lives have been really, really busy. And I think it's so fun that this interview landed on this topic today because yes, last night I actually started another round of, um, prosperity consciousness raising, um, working um, through a program called Prosperity Plus. I, you know, it's a seven-week uh, class in exploration. And I think that's something that people who um, are exploring mindfulness um, often don't know about us out here le learning this stuff as they think, oh my gosh, Holly's, you know, read every book and I've talked to every author and done all these things. And yet every day something new is emerging or, you know, you can share a message through this book or your blogs and your, you know, practice that can inspire somebody else. And that's why I'm out there continuing to learn as well. So what's a story or a concept in this book that you're really excited to share with the world? Well, one of the things that really helped me turn around my money situation, and I'll just start with before I did what I implemented in my book, I had $135,000 of debt. So um, that's a lot of debt. And I had zero savings, so I was constantly feeling stressed about money and, and not able to, you know, if I needed a security deposit for a place to rent or just it wasn't there. And, and that kind of lifestyle with you have debt and no savings is just really stressful. 
So um, one of the things that um, I'm really excited to share is this feeling that people have of how to switch feeling like a martyr for your cause. Because that was one of the things I was feeling a lot before I got out of debt was I felt like a martyr for the cause. I felt like I was, you know, I was angry at God. I was angry at the universe. I felt like the IRS was against me. I had all these thoughts. And so one of the things that I talk a lot in my book is how do we change that martyrhood into feeling empowered? And I share a lot of personal stories around that because that's the pivot point to me of getting out of that consciousness and into a state where you're actually attracting money instead of feeling like a victim to it. Well, and what's exciting when we have the courage to talk numbers and dollars in a public forum that I, I want to highlight for the listener is while Jennifer is courageously sharing her numbers, 130,000, your number may be 13,000. It may, may be 1.3 million. And yet these principles and this ability to convert into a financial life that is abundant for you, again, whether your number is you know, financially abundant for me is $50,000 a year or 5 million is what is so exciting about the world. And I, th I think you've really tapped into something with this idea of, of martyrdom. And I have to give up everything I've ever wanted to be to be a teacher or be a healer or be a massage therapist or all those things. And yet, those of us who are, are embarking upon this are doing it at our highest and best with an infinite flow of circulation. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel guilty about charging money for healing work. And I mean, I get this all the time. They, people say, well, I do everything for free. I give it away because that's most spiritually aligned. And while I appreciate that, if, if you're one of those people that's struggling with money, perhaps giving away your work for free may not be in the highest good. It, may, it actually may prohibit you from serving at your best because if you're really struggling yourself, it's hard to help others. And that old cliche, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself before helping your child is, is really true with service work. And I think it comes from a long lineage of vows of poverty. In the religious tradition, it, it's valued and, and praised to take a vow of poverty to get rid of all your worldly good and, and goods and, and go serve. And I'm actually doing a counter message saying, you know, basically if you're doing a vow of poverty and you're feeling like a martyr for the cause, you're actually not fully able to serve to the level that you would want to because um, money helps you actually fund your life mission. So I'm doing a reframe around, you know, money and getting rid of that charge that money is evil or bad or somehow not spiritual. And that's one of the messages I want to get across is that, yes, it can actually help fund your purpose rather than detract from it. So you talk about, you know, this, this journey from the stress of debt and those savings to creating a new experience. And you told me as we were preparing for the show that, you know, you, you're now in a position where you invested in some property and done all of those things. What is one of those moments that you celebrated from the, the strife to the success? Because I think that's often why people don't even embark upon a financial empowerment journey is, you know, I'll never get there. So, so let's just take a minute to celebrate one of your own personal successes. It might be a little one, it might be a big one, like buying land. Well, actually, you know what's really interesting? Uh, something occurred to me that I had never thought about, and maybe this is obvious to some people, but when I actually did my first investment, so I took a couple thousand dollars and put it in the stock market. And 
the day that my money actually made some money was actually really a turnaround point for me because I had this aha moment of, wow, our money, no matter how little amount, can actually make money. And to me, that was a real foreign concept. The other thing that was really a turning point for me was this idea of spending less than I earn. <laughs> at first, it, it sounds, at first I had a negative connotation with this because it felt like frugality just bothered me. You know, I felt like a frugal person is a person that wears rags and ends up in a house full of, you know, rats and, co you know, cockroaches. And, and so I had a really negative association with frugality. And so hence living below my means felt negative to me. It felt, you know, I felt stressed by that. But then I had a reframe on that. And the, when I started living below my means, I thought, wow, I'm running my life at a profit. And that actually was a good reframe. So those were real big moments for me, recognizing that money can actually make money, which was foreign to me, and that living your life at a profit is not about denial, it's about empowerment. Well, again, thank you for the courage to, to share your, your stories. And, you know, money is often one of those taboo topics. Mindfulness is a woo-woo topic. People say that to me all the time. And the more that, you know, men and women, I think especially women, were willing to unpack and talk about these stories, the more other women realize they can do it too. I, I love your example there about making an investment in the stock market, because this is a story I've never told publicly before, but it is a big kind of celebration for me. Uh, that was a private sort of funny thing, but kind of on that same boat is, I remember the first time I was able to donate to a charity of choice at a level that they would put my name on a plaque, you know, platinum donor or whatever. I don't even remember what the level was. And then I got invited to the VIP reception and all of those little things, which probably for or the story I was telling myself was every person in that room was like, oh, I've done millions of dollars and it's no big deal. But yet, if I really dove into this, there was probably every single person in that room had that first experience of donating and feeling really proudful about that experience, just like you did with your, your investment strategy. So I love that we get to tell these stories together to empower other men and women to say, what's that little goal? And I don't even remember, I don't even think it was, you know, it definitely wasn't a five figure check that I wrote, but it was, it was something that was a vision that I had had of my name being on a donor wall. Yeah, I think that's awesome, you know, because it's these little baby steps that actually get stuff done. Because let me tell you this, when you're having as much debt as I had, when it's $135,000, and, and I didn't have uh, extra extraordinary income by any means, that's really daunting. You know, for a lot of people, debt can, can really be daunting because it seems impossible to pay off. You know, when your interest alone on your debt is $800 to $1,000 a month, which is a rent payment or whatever, it, that can seem really hard. So that baby step mentality of these small goals of saying, all right, I'm just going to make a you know, $500 payment on my debt or a $1,000 payment on my debt. Those little small things add up, you know, or I'm going to invest $500 in something. Um, and over time, it just builds up. So these baby steps really can make a difference. And so not to get discouraged by just making small dents in your debt or small dents in your savings. So on the Everyday Mindfulness show, we've got the show, and then we've got a, a, my book, Everyday Mindfulness from Chaos to Calm in a Crazy World. How do you practice mindfulness as a daily basis? Now, maybe there's a money element to it, but maybe there's other elements. How do you practice mindfulness for your life? Well, I'll, um, I'll get an example with the money element, because that actually helped me turn things around. So one of the things that I was doing in the past was I would just spend money uh, out of habit. 
um, you know, I'd buy this clothing or I'd buy this pair of shoes or I'd be paying this bill and not really looking at it. And when one thing that I started applying mindfulness to was my spending. And I asked myself this question, am I spending money on something I really love or is there some other purpose behind my spending like habit or trying to, you know, stoke my ego or emotional spending or whatever. Um, and that was one way I applied mindfulness to my finances is being mindful before I took out a dollar bill or plunked down my credit card and it can apply to eating, you know, are you eating this cause it's, you need it or are you eating it because you're upset? You know, and, and I did that with spending. I'd, I'd spend money because I was upset because you get that temporary high. So that's where we can apply mindfulness. Well, it's fun to think about um, the reducing of the debt part and the celebrations that you had along the way and the investments you were able to make. Then there's the, the flip of the coin, which is you also had to step into your own value and worth and, and start charging fees. Do you have any tips or insights for the listeners that are either first time charging fees or looking to enhance a fee level that they're currently at? Yeah. So one of the things I think to remember as a listener is um, commitment creates value. So your fees actually help your client and meaning that when your client commits to their process, whether it be to get in shape or healing or money or, or relationship, your client will commit to it by paying money. Because what I've noticed, if you give stuff away for free, the person, the recipient is less committed to their growth or to the process. But when you start charging them money, they're going to show up for their appointments. Trust me, they're going to be present. They're going to take notes. They're going to do their homework because you're not giving it away for free. So you're actually helping the client by charging a fee and charging a fee that's enough to create a real commitment, you know, not, um, you know, the United States, you know, I've, I've seen people charge like 40 an hour and I feel like that's way too low, way too low to, to fund your business and also way too low on the part of the client. So, you know, tapping into what's comfortable for you, but realizing that it actually helps the client. In this class I embarked upon last night, there was a story, um, kind of a remembrance that, um, you know, our, our, our breath, breathe in and breathe out. That's a circular motion that, you know, our blood flows in and around our body and, and really getting clear again that our money is the same way. That sometimes, you know, debt is just a log jam of, of the flow, either be it flow in or, or flow out. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on money and flow? Um, yeah, so I feel like um, everything in the universe is holographic, meaning it's a representation and reflection of who you are. So debt to me is a reflection of your energy and essence and your approach to money and your approach to life because you can't separate different aspects of um, your life from who you are, I believe. So, and that's, you know, popularized by quantum physics saying everything is energy. We, uh, we attract what we're in residence with. So money is the same thing. So debt is this uh, energy of, it could be, there's several ways to attract debt. One is worthiness, feeling like you're not worthy of actually having money. One is um, just a feeling of lack, like this lack that you feel within is reflected in your outer world. So there's many energetic ways that people create and attract debt. So getting rid of debt is actually changing your own energy field as well. And that's what I love about, you know, the book I wrote and just, you know, people's approach when they start using it from the energy and essence of who you are, you can really 
heal parts of yourself while you're getting out of debt. And that's what I love about this. Well, and that's what I really like about the book too, is you really talk about purpose and passion in a world where money, again, talking is, is taboo and having more stuff is what we reward. And sometimes we often don't realize that under those people who have all the fancy houses and all the cars and all that is, is an equal opportunity of, of debt and stress. And how can we really find that place of purpose and passion? And again, there's when the work that you and I do, there's no, there's no judgment on if you're going to be the big fancy CEO making the big paycheck, or if you're going to be, you know, someone making a different level of income, but it is about that living your passion and your purpose and your mindset. So how did you come to find this teaching as your passion and purpose? Cause I don't think most people wake up in the, up, you know, in their, their mid twenties or thirties and go, Oh, I'm going to be the teacher on prosperity. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I actually never intended to write a book <laughs> but, um, or even go this route, you know, but it was a big point of pain in my life. Um, money's been just, it was, you know, a big source of struggle, pain and suffering in my life. And, and uh, I wasn't really making a lot of progress fixing that. And um, until I really shifted like my approach and my energy. So I thought, well, it was such a big healing process for me to get out of debt. It wasn't just about the money, but it became about healing those parts of myself that were uh, feeling broken. And um, so it was really interesting. It, it, it actually became less about the money and about healing who I am. And so I thought it'd be great to put this down and help others do it because um, so many people approached me and have approached me and said, I, I can't afford that, or I'm, I'm struggling to make my rent and I don't know how to fix it. And, so I thought I wanted to put something out there to help people. I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, the quote from Michael um, Bernard Beckwith, the founder of Agape, and he, somebody would come to him and ask for a scholarship for a class or whatever. And he would say, you know, I choose not to contribute to your poverty mindset. And he would work with them and invite them to explore ways that they could increase their, their financial flow, you know, help somebody out and get paid for it or take a different job or those kinds of things. Not, and he did it in real clear energy that it wasn't about trying to put you down for the situation that you were in, but to invite you to explore the worthiness and, and the lack and create possibility from the opportunities that were coming his way. Yeah, the poverty mindset is a painful place to be. And so if somebody's feeling like impoverished like that, it's actually a, not just the money, it's like a source of, of pain in their life. So I think that's brilliant not to support that because we can help heal that source of pain and, and move forward. And I think that's really the ultimate, um, let's say the ultimate pot of gold at the end of the rainbow isn't really having money or being out of debt. It's like healing whatever within you created the debt in the first place. So I think that's brilliant. And, and you know, a lot of people on the show don't know that I grew up in a, what would be defined as more of a, a poverty mindset. I grew up in a double white trailer park in a small town in the Pacific Northwest. I, I kind of say now with all rights, responsibilities and privileges thereof, I mean, I've got the green shag carpet and the, and the linoleum um, to prove it. And yet um, I hope that my life is an example, just as you're getting out there and you're telling your story as a life of example. And so I think the more we can meet people where they're at and listen to create financial partnerships that make sense and, and call in the right partners to help us. Clearly on your healing journey, you had a lot of 
people to help you. So what are the types of maybe resources or people, books that you used to help you inspire your journey and then ultimately to write this book? Um, the, the list is pretty long, but one of my favorite books on financial abundance is called Your Money or Your Life. And it's a really good book on financial independence, and it really helps people understand their relationship with spending. Because what I love about it is it equates money to life force energy. So they actually do an equation where they map out how many hours of work that take for you to buy that thing. And that's an eye-opening concept of, wow, I, I, because life force energy is, is really a one-way street. You only have so much time here. So if you think, wow, I spent, you know, a half an hour earning enough money to buy that magazine or whatever it is, was it worth a half an hour of my time to do that, to, to own that? And that was really eye-opening. So that was one of the major um, books that I looked at. Um, there's another one called The Prosperity Secret by Marcus Rothkrantz. Um, that deals a lot with one of my favorite topics, which is this uh, feeling like a victim or how to overcome this victim concept that a lot of people feel victimized or powerless around it. So how can you take back your power? That was one of the big things I love about that one. And I had a lot of different healers and, and coaches and um, it, it'd be like a long, we'd be here for a couple hours, but those are some of my top um, books. Well, see. And that's a, a wonderful thing to share with the listener, no matter where you are in your financial journey or your healing journey. Um, I think especially in today's social media world, we get a little boxed in. I have to do it myself. So I'm actually grateful to hear you say the list would be very long because I know in the years of the classes and the application and the work that I've done, you know, I also, you know, sometimes it's a banker or it's a credit union or it's a financial tool or an, you know, an investment, an investment broker that remembering that there's a lot of people out here for whom this skill is easy and effortless. And if we have the courage to go out and ask the question, we have the opportunity to find that support. One of the things that was an eye-opener for me too was um, I had this dream to buy a house. Like everyone, I th I'm sure a lot of people want to own their own land and, or their own house. And uh, one of the best people you can talk to, even if you don't feel like you're ready, is a mortgage broker. Because you can find out what exactly it would take to get the house of your dreams, like how much you need to show on your tax returns and how much down payment you need. It gives you these concrete goals. And so along the lines of what you're talking about, talking to a mortgage broker or talking to that person, you know, if you don't, if you're not planning to pay cash for a house, um, talk to these people who can um, help you mortgage a house or whatever it is you want to do. Wonderful. So as we're wrapping up the interview today, I would just like our listeners to know how can they get a hold of you and what products and services do you offer that would support this conversation we've had today? Oh, that's a great question. So there's a couple ways to get a hold of me. One is if you go to spiritualandbroke.com, I have my contact information there. I also have a uh, download of the first three chapters of my book for free. So if you're not really sure you want to get in my book, you can get a sample. And um, I also do coaching on um, working with your energy around money. So I like to work with on the energetic level. Um, so you can get a hold of me there, um, spiritualandbroke.com. 
Wonderful. Well, I am really grateful that you reached out to me and asked to be on the show. Granted, another example of you know, when you want to get your message out there, or you want to learn or have a conversation or grow, get out there and ask because you're going to be connected to amazing, amazing people. Jennifer, I'm so glad that you're willing to come on the show today. We look forward to downloading that sample of your book and getting the full copy and continuing this conversation with you because we absolutely know it's time to stop struggling with money and it's time to live our passion and power. So with that, remember everyone, mindful matters and so do you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more mindfulness every day, visit everydaymindfulnessshow.com and download the three-day challenge and experience the ABCs of mindfulness. Mm-hmm.